0: You know, whenever Mother's Day or or Father's Day comes along, and we're in the middle of a sermon series, I always wonder, should we just keep going with the sermon series, or should we jump out and talk about moms and talk about fathers or whatever it is? And uh, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, and sometimes, as today is the case, it just lines up so well that we can do both. So we're going to continue in our sermon series on 1 Corinthians, we're in chapter 11, and we're just going to look at chapter 11, verse 1, just one little verse. And I've put up on the screen here a job description of moms. This has been on my heart and my mind a lot lately, as we've been writing the job description for the assistant pastor position, and one of the the things that comes up often when you write out a job description, you show it to somebody and they say, who could possibly do this? I mean, who's going to fit this job description? Because you want your job description to really be the goal, the ideal of what you're looking for. And so I came across this on the Internet, so it has to be true. And uh, <laughs> it's a joke that just keeps on working. Uh, So here's full-time mom. I'll read it in case you can. It's a little small back there. Uh, Comforter, artist, cleaner, bather, diaper changer, chef and food provider, doctor goer, church goer, lunch partner, stylist, listener, shopper, laundry doer, reward giver, park goer, shoulder to be sick on. I like that one. (laughs) Kind of gross. Shoulder to sleep on, shoulder to cry on, nurse, coach, taxi driver, cheerleader, comedian, teacher, supporter, and friend. And you know what? That list could go on and on and on and on. If somebody really was to write a job description for a mom, you would look at it and say, how in the world can anybody possibly accomplish this? And so I want to talk this morning about what is the main thing for moms. Now, if you're here and you're not a mom, you might be thinking, oh, well, great, this doesn't really apply to me. So, so the rest of the sermon is, is this. What's the main thing for moms and everyone? Okay? So I don't want you to be left out if you're not a mom. I don't happen to be a mom. And, uh, but the main thing for moms is the same thing as the main thing for everybody else. Okay, so we're going to walk through and talk about what is the main thing and what we'll apply it to mothers, but also more generally to all of us. Now, if you're joining us maybe for the first time, we are in, I think it's week 17, yeah, part 17 of a sermon series on the book of 1 Corinthians. We're over halfway through now, uh, or about halfway through. And we will be done by the summer. We're picking up the pace as we go. We'll be done, uh, I think, by the second or third week of July. And which for us, that we have kids in school, that's the beginning of summer. So I know for the rest of the world, summer's like half over at that point. But <laughs> what are you going to do? That's what the schools say. But we're calling the sermon series Saturated. And the idea is that Paul is writing to this church in this Greek city, this Roman city of Corinth, And he's writing to this church that was so messed up. And he's writing to correct a lot of the problems that they have. And yes, he gives information. Yes, he gives teaching. Yes, he gives specific applications to what's going on in their church. But over and in and through everything that he says to this church is this idea of being saturated with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever their conflict is, whatever their disagreement in the church, whether it was doctrinal or, or social or authority, whatever it was, he lifts up the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, let's look at who our Savior is. Let's look at what he has done. Now let's live that out in this situation. And we've been going through, over the past three weeks, going through uh, 1 Corinthians 8 and the 9 and 10. And he's been dealing with a very unique situation in their culture of eating this food sacrifice to idols. And was it okay? And was it not? And this was a big deal in their church. And it was kind of threatening to rip their church apart. And And he comes in and he says, guys, you're looking in the wrong place. You're looking at what you want to do. You're looking at whether you want to eat the food, whether you have the freedom, how strong you are in Christ. He said, but you're not thinking about pointing others to Jesus Christ. So let's get the shift or let's get the focus off of yourself and let's put it back on Christ. And then he comes up to chapter 11, verse 1, and he says this. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now, I just want, before we walk through this today, I want you to think for a moment. Would you be able to tell the people in your life that phrase? Moms, would you be able to say to your kids, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ? Dads, would you be able to say that to your kids? Would you be able to say to your coworkers, hey, follow my example? as I follow the example of Christ. Would you be able to say that to your unsaved friends or relatives? Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Because I think Paul is hitting on a main, main point for him throughout this book as this church is being ripped apart by personal strife and turmoil and discussions and arguments and bitter envy. He's saying, look, we need to keep the focus on the example of Christ And then each one of us needs to live out that example in our own life. And this, I believe for Paul, was the main thing. And I believe for moms, this is the main thing. I believe for dads, this is the main thing. It's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day things, to be pulled in all these different directions and say, I've got to do the laundry, I've got to do the chores, I've got to make money, I've got to help the church, I've got to do my job, I've got to do whatever it is. But to be able to take a step back and say, all of those things are good and right, hopefully, but what's the main thing? And as I engage in these things, as I take part in these activities, what is the main thing I'm going to focus on? And that's what we're talking about today. So we're going to start with this idea, really the end of the verse, because he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So let's talk about the example of Christ. Because here's a church in Corinth that thought they were absolutely amazing. They were the most spiritually mature people they knew. They were more mature, evidently, than all their friends, or so they thought. They were just so kind of overzealous for Christ. They thought they were so spiritually gifted. They thought if you held up every church against them, they would just beat them hands down. They thought they were so amazing, and they wanted to make sure everybody knew it, especially people within their own church that disagreed with them. Oh, They wanted them to know how amazing they were. And it was ripping them apart. And Paul says, let's think about this for a moment. You know, we're Christians. You know what the word Christian means? It was actually a derogatory term that started in the book of Acts. Other people called followers of Christ Christians. The word Christian means little Christ. And it was meant as an insult. Oh, you're you're just trying to be like that guy we crucified on a cross. You're you're just trying to be like Christ. And Christians liked it. they said, that's good. Yep, that's who we are. We're Christians. We want to be little examples of Jesus Christ in our day-to-day lives, in every situation that we're in. We want to be followers of Christ. So here's this group of Christians, supposedly little followers of Jesus Christ, and they're just eating each other alive. And they're fighting over who is better, who is stronger, who's farther along in their Christian life. And it's ripping them apart. And Paul's saying, wait a minute. What is the example of that Christ gave us. So I want to look at just a couple things about what it means to be a follower of Christ and looking at the example that Christ set for us. Because when Christ called people in the New Testament, he called them to follow him. This was the typical way of finding a disciple, finding someone, whether it was Matthew or uh, Luke, no, not Luke, John, James, the brothers. He would go to them and he'd say, hey, follow me. Just follow me. It's interesting today, I think. We've kind of changed the call to become a Christian to do you believe certain things? Can you check certain boxes? Do you, can you say, yes, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. Yes, I pray to prayer. Oh, I'm a Christian. And I think we've oversimplified it because in the time of Jesus, it's will you leave where you are? Will you leave behind your own life, your own way of thinking, your own way of doing things? Will you leave that behind? And follow Christ? Will you be defined as being one who is trusting wholeheartedly in Jesus Christ and following Him? And I think we've made it so easy to be who we are and a part of this world and running after all these things, and then we just add Jesus Christ on. To be a follower of Christ is to be totally redefined as one who is walking in the footsteps and following Jesus Christ. A disciple is a follower. So at the beginning of his ministry, as he called people to follow him, that was the phrase he would use over and over again. Come, follow me. Come, be where I am. Watch what I do. Walk with me. And along the way, think of all the things they saw and experienced. And a lot of Christians are missing out in this world today. And a lot of people are struggling with faltering faith Because they're not following Christ and seeing Him at work. They're observing Him from a distance. And then they wonder why their faith is not strong. But when we're following Christ and He walks through the fire of the struggles of our lives in those days when the kids are just all over the place and laundry is just exploding in the basement. This is not personal experience. We're just, you know, hypothetically speaking. And you're saying, what in the world am I doing? And everything's falling apart. You can stop and say, wait, I'm following Christ. He's right there with me. He knows what he's doing. And then at the end, after Christ died on the cross, rose from the grave, and he's about to ascend back into heaven, and he gives what we call the Great Commission, and he says, go and make what? Disciples. Well, what is a disciple? A follower of Christ. So he says, you have become followers of Christ, so now you are to go and make followers of Christ. So there's this emphasis all along the way of following Christ. Well, what is the example that Jesus set? If you have a Bible, uh, open up to Matthew chapter 19. If you don't, there's one in the pew in front of you. And yes, we're dealing with 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, but we're going to be jumping around to a lot of other passages to help us to understand what exactly it means to follow this example of Christ. Because it doesn't do us any good to say, I follow Christ, but I follow Christ on my terms. I follow Christ the way I think Christianity should work. Well, this, this doesn't work for me, so I'm going to follow Christ in my own way. We don't get to do that. Christ has set the example Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 13. Think for a moment the pressures that were on Jesus. You know, sometimes we can get kind of a savior complex and think the weight of the world depends on our shoulders and and our efforts and our work, and, and you can get pretty bogged down by things, right? Have you ever felt that way? I do, sometimes. And yet we have to remind ourselves, wait a minute, the weight of the world is not on my shoulders. I'm not the Savior. You can't really give that same advice to Jesus Christ, right? Because he is the Savior. The weight of the world really was on his shoulders. His day-to-day life was extremely important. He had a mission. He had extremely important things he had to do. But as he's going about his day-to-day life, things would come up. We might call them distractions. We might call them things that would pull away from this important mission that he had for God, but that's not the way that Jesus looked at them. See, he looked at them as opportunities. And this is the first thing I want us to look at in this example of Christ, is that for Christ, moments matter. Every moment for Christ mattered. It was not something he just hoped to get through to get to this really important thing that was beyond it. It wasn't something that just, oh, wow, when I can get this out of my life, when when the kids would get out of the diaper phase or when they would get out of the grade school phase or when they get out of the high school phase or when they get out of the college phase, well, then I can do great things for God. That's not the way Jesus looked at his moments in his life. Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 13. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. You see, the disciples looked at the example of Jesus, and they said, oh, he's far too important for this. He's got really big, important things to do. He's got a moment he's trying to get to. Leave us alone. What was the example Jesus set? Verse 14, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And when he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Was Jesus busy? I imagine he was. Was his task list or his calendar of things he had to get to, was it pretty full? I imagine it was. Were there a lot of people that wanted a piece of his time that that had really important things they wanted to talk over with him? I I imagine there were. Were there all sorts of people around him with needs that, that needed healing, needed helping? Yeah. And yet in this moment, He stops and he says, I'm not just trying to get from point A to point B and jump over everything in between. I have a moment right now, and it matters. And so he uses this moment as an opportunity rather than a distraction. He says, I can bless these kids. And by so doing, he gave us an example. However busy we are to stop and take a moment to be a blessing to somebody else. And he says, I'm here to teach people about the love of God. And so he takes that moment and he uses it to teach people about the love of God. And we all, hopefully, in Christ, are taught about loving people the way Jesus did because we see every moment that he had redeemed by him, taken advantage of by him to say, I'm not just trying to get through it, I'm going to use it for the glory of God. Moments matter. Moms, Whatever situation you're in, don't just look at it in this hope of trying to get to the next thing. And the rest of us, same thing. It's easy to think, well, when this is over, when I get through this time, then I can praise God, then I'll have time, then I'll have opportunities. What if God has brought that moment into your life as the opportunity to give him glory? Well, that's hard, isn't it? Because we don't want to be in that moment. We want to get out of it. But to just stop and say, what is the example Christ has set? Another example that Christ has set for us is one of humble service. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Again, as Paul's writing to this church, they are so proud and so arrogant, so full of themselves, and yet he's saying, wait a minute, we're we're supposed to be following the example of Christ. So I want to start in Philippians chapter 2. And this is another passage where Paul is dealing with relationships within a church, this time in the church of Philippi. And he says this, starting in uh, Philippians 2, verse 5, and your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You see it again there? Here's the example of Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself And as a Christian, we need to be able to answer that question as Jesus came to take our place on the cross, paying for our sins, rising from the grave, promising eternal life to all who believe. That's why Jesus came. And that's true. And that's good. But does that make everything from the manger to the cross completely unimportant? No. Jesus came for those moments too. Because he wanted to show a sinful, proud, arrogant world what the most important person in the universe would do. And he lived a life of humble servant. He knew who he was. He knew how important he was. He knew that at every given moment, every person that he brushed by on the street should bow down and worship him as ultimate Lord and Savior. He knew that. But did he demand it? Did he go around constantly saying, No, you need to worship me, you need to worship me, you to, quiet, I don't want to listen to you, you need to worship me? No. He served them, and he loved them. What an example of humble service. And of course, this included great suffering. The gospel, this core truth of what we believe in as Christians, is that the God of heaven and earth came and lived among us, suffered and died on a cross in our place taking all the punishment that should have been ours so that we could have eternal life in Him. That's hard. But for Christ, the suffering of the cross was not something He just wanted to get through so we could get on to better things. It was the reason He came. Moms, you're going to go through hard situations in your day-to-day life. Dads, you're going to go through hard situations in your day-to-day life. All of us, you're going to go through hard situations in your day-to-day life. Don't just try to get through it. Think about your attitude and your actions as you go through it. Are you humbly serving? Or are you trying to prove your own self-worth to everyone around you? Follow the example of Christ. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Not only does Christ set for us an example that moments matter and that we need to look at these moments with an idea of humble service, but Christ was always looking through the moments and through his situations for the greater glory of God. Rather than just pointing to himself, which is so ironic because of all the people that could have pointed all the fingers at himself and tried to get everybody to notice him, it would have been okay for Christ to do that, and yet he didn't. He pointed beyond himself to God the Father as an example for us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. He's talking about running this race of our life. And as part of this running, he says in verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In everything that Christ did, he looked at us and he said, God has something better for those people. So I will go through what I have to go through for their sake. And he looked at us and he said, God has a plan for each and every one of us to bring glory to himself, for his glory and our good. And Christ said, I will go through what I have to go through for that greater glory. Not trying to rest on my laurels, not trying to make everybody look at how great I am, but to say, I will point people to God's glory. It's easy to get caught up in the Monday things of day-to-day life. It's easy to get caught up in our failures. It's even easy to get caught up in our successes. It's easy to look at our lives and say, how am I doing right now? Are my kids obeying? Are they following? Am I being a good employer? Am I good at being a good employee? Am I being a good volunteer at church? And we look at all these things and we say, am I doing okay? But we need to step back and say, am I bringing glory to God? That's the main thing. That's the standard. All those other things are simply opportunities to do that. That's the way Christ looked at his life. Could you imagine, and this is you've got to be careful here, putting yourself in the place of Jesus Christ, but could you imagine being Jesus for a moment? And, and let's not take this too far because that becomes heresy. But here you are at the pinnacle of what you have come to do, and all your followers are gone? They're they're denying you. They're walking away from you. And if at that moment a reporter could sit down with Jesus and just say, so, how's your ministry going? We, in our own way of looking at things, would sit down and say, well, I guess I'm not being effective. I guess I'm failing. I mean, these people I've poured into, they've walked away. I I guess I'm not doing it. And moms, I I don't want to speak for you, but I think sometimes we struggle with that. I think all of us do. I can only imagine moms do. Well, here I've poured my time into these kids and look at how they're treating me. Here I've taught them and look at which way they're going. Is that the way Jesus looked at that moment, though? Because in that moment, when the world looked at Jesus and said, failure, Jesus looked at that moment and said, I'm pointing to the glory of God. And he kept on going. That was his standard of success. There was a greater glory. And Paul uses this example of Jesus Christ and he holds him up to the church in Corinth as I believe we need to hold him up in our churches today and say, look at Jesus. How did he live? How did he teach? How did he serve? What was his main thing? Let's make that our main thing. You know, the job description for being a mom is impossible. It really is. Nobody could look at that and just say, oh, I got this piece of cake. No problem. Because nobody really knows. When you become a parent, you don't know what you're going to face. You don't know the trials and struggles. You can hear stories from other people, but you don't know what you're going to go through. And I wonder if we did, if any of us would become a parent anyway. Right? Yeah, I see some people going, nope. And maybe that's the grace of God that he just doesn't tell us up front. I don't know. But think for a moment what the job description of an apostle was. An apostle had to bear witness in every situation that Jesus Christ, the one whom the world had put to death, was actually the Son of God, and that he rose from the grave. And they had to travel around sharing that message, knowing people didn't want to hear it. They had to suffer, and many of them, most of them, had to end up dying for their faith. I don't think I'd want that job either either. It was a tough, tough job description. And yet Paul could say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, because his job description was not to be the best apostle he could be. It was to keep his focus on Christ and let Christ do what he would do. His standard of success was not about his own performance. It was about Christ's glory. There's a lot of hope in that when you face difficult situations to be able to say, am I pointing to the glory of Jesus Christ? So does this mean in our lives, though, that we're just going to focus on ourselves? Does this mean we're just going through life just saying, well, I don't really care about you kids. I don't care what you're doing. Hey, you need food. That's on you. I'm just trying to focus on the glory of God here. Leave me alone. Is that the way we're to live? No, of course not. Because when we focus on God's glory... All these other situations take on a greater importance. They become opportunities to live for that glory. Because Paul said, let's follow Christ, but then he also said, and I want you to look at me as a good example of following Christ. And this is where we struggle. Because let's face it, we're pretty messed up, aren't we? And we fail. And, and, you know, we, we say, We want our kids to be like us, but then somewhere in the back of our mind, they're sort of the, but not entirely. And then we see our kids growing older, and I've seen this. I won't put this on my wife, but I've seen it in my own kids, things that they do that just make me cringe. And then I look at them and I think, yeah, they got that for me. That was was me. That's how I am. And it's just coming out in them. And we have a hard time saying, look at my example. Let's think for a moment. Let's just walk through quickly some of the things that Paul did. Because for Paul, moments mattered. In Philippians chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, but you can if you want to. Philippians uh, 4, verses 12 through 13, Paul said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Listen to what he's saying there. Because we want to take that and say, yep, uh, you know, I can do well when, when the parents or the kids are obeying. I can do well when the kids are disobeying. I can handle this. I can do well when they're being good kids. I can do well when they're being bad kids. And then when we're not doing well, what happens to how we view ourselves? Failure. Struggling. I must not be good enough. That's not the way Paul looked at these situations. He said, I can do well in this situation and I can do well in this situation, but not because of me. I can do that because I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Moms, your kids don't need to see you in, see in you an example of a perfect human being. There's too much pressure on us to be perfect and to think that we're never going to make a mistake and if we could just hide our mistakes from our kids, then they'll turn out okay. That's not what God has called us to. God has called us to be followers of Jesus Christ. And you know what? A good follower of Jesus Christ struggles along the way, sometimes stumbles. But you can show your kids the example of being a follower of Jesus Christ just as much by being Perfect as you can of what you're going to do when you stumble and say, kids, I messed up. But let me tell you about the Christ who loves me. Let me me tell you about the forgiveness that I know is mine in Jesus Christ. And to be an example of one who just keeps on following. Paul wasn't perfect, but he saw every moment as an opportunity to show the greatness of Christ, not the greatness of Paul. Paul had humble service. Again, the Corinthian church was so proud, yet Paul had come in and spent several years with these people. And he was able to say, you know me. You know how I work. You know I came in and I didn't ask for anything. I even took a side job so I could pay for my time there. You know me. I served you in humility. Paul did whatever he had to do to preach and demonstrate the gospel. And often this led to his own suffering. His own struggles, whether it was being arrested or beaten or stoned or kicked out of cities or shipwrecked, Paul was an example of humbly serving Jesus Christ because that was the example he saw in Christ. He wanted to point to Christ. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. Paul lived for a greater glory. Philippians 1, 20 and 21 says this, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul was facing a very difficult situation. Maybe you're here this morning and you're facing a really difficult situation in your own life. Maybe, moms, it's because you're a mom. Maybe it's just something else. And you're saying, I don't know, how do I fix this? How do I go through this? How do I make it all come out okay? And it's interesting to look at the example of Paul, this example that he was calling the Corinthians to follow because he was following Christ. He said, it's not my job to make this all work out. My job to live for the glory of Christ, that Christ would be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, because that's the situation He was in. He didn't know if He was going to live or die. He was in prison, and He didn't know how it was going to turn out. Man, could we look at our situations in our life? Could we look at our our struggles with our own kids? We say, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but my fundamental prayer is that I would so demonstrate the glory of Christ in this situation that I would trust Him in this situation so that my kids get an example to follow. Because the truth is, at the end of the day, none of us fix our kids, do we? We can't. We try. We can't. We can't fix ourselves. What makes us think we can fix our kids? But Christ can't. So we need to live to point others to him. Paul's success wasn't at stake. Moms, and in the day-to-day life that you face, the day-to-day struggles, it's not your success or failure that's at stake. It's can you live and focus on the glory of God. This changes our attitude in every situation. It takes the weight of the pressure to fix everything off of us and puts it where it belongs, on Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is keep our focus there and keep following. I'm not saying that's easy. It's not easy at all. It's hard to follow Christ. But it changes lives around us. So what do we do with this? Moms, you have, I believe, one of the most important and most difficult jobs on the face of this planet. Because your job is so important, Like every other important job, it is absolutely crucial that you keep the main thing the main thing. For the rest of us, I don't know the situations that God has put you in. I don't know your work. I don't know your family. I don't know uh, your situation with your kids or your parents or whatever it is you're in. But I can tell you this. God has put you there because you are important and you play an important part in his grand plan for all of the universe. And because your life is important and because these moments are important, it is absolutely crucial to keep the main thing the main thing. Because we get so easily distracted. Listen to Matthew 6, 28 through 34. Just listen. If you have to, close your eyes and just listen. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spend. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's easy to get distracted in the things that God brings into our path. But rather than getting distracted by those things, let's use them as an opportunity to follow Christ ourselves, And to point others to follow Christ. To be able to say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for mothers. I know the job is difficult. I know sometimes as a dad I'm not making it any easier. And yet, God, you are so good. And I pray for each mom here wherever they are at in the stage of their life. Each stage with, with the kids has a different challenge. And God, it's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to get distracted. And yet, may they look at those opportunities, those moments as an opportunity to bring glory to you, to so trust you and focus on you and follow you and walk with you and be excited about what you are doing, that their kids would look at them And others would look at them and see the example of Jesus Christ. Because ultimately, Father, we don't want to point people to how great we are as a mom or a dad or an employer or whatever situation we're in. We want to point people to how great you are. And may we take every situation and every opportunity to do that. Thank you for Jesus Christ, in whose glorious name we pray. Amen.